Welcome back to the Holy Hardwood Podcast with Pat and Tony, where your New Orleans Pelicans in games 18 through 21 against the Utah Jazz, Philadelphia 76ers, San Antonio Spurs, and Chicago Bulls come out with a 2-2 two and two record. Welcoming back, Pat, to the show. What did you kind of see in this uh, week's stretch of games, and how do you see this team going forward? Yeah, good evening, Tony. Um, good to go ahead and sit down and connect with you over the last week. Um, certainly been um, both some positives and negatives in totality when you look at the, the team's performance over the last um, you know, four or five games. Um, you know, first thing that comes to mind, I would say, is the number one positive thing is, um, you know, getting both Trey and CJ back from those um, those injuries, right? Being able to start working through some of the kinks and, and working on everybody, you know, gaining some some rhythm and, and some familiarity with playing together, um, especially with two guys of, of that importance for this group, I think should, should certainly outweigh any of the other, um, you know, situations or, or opinions that you have on the on the team's performance over the last week or so. Um, certainly saw glimpses of, of both of their guys' game of what they can bring this team, um, starting with CJ against Philly and, and then, you know, taking a look at Trey's performance against San Antonio. Um, you certainly see how, how pivotal their, um, their role is on this team, um, not only for themselves, but, but how they kind of round out the entire roster as a whole. Um, it it kind of slots everybody in the correct positions and, and really allows people to just play to their strengths rather than, um, you know, having to take on some responsibilities that, that focus on their, their weaknesses. So, you know, first and foremost, I think that's certainly the, the most important thing. Um, you know, outside of that, the last four games have, have kind of been that, that December, um, you know, lull point in, in, in the schedule, right? It, to me, it felt like the team was kind of coming off a high, um, you know, playing very, very well at the back end of that home stretch. It seemed like B.I. and Zion were really figuring it out, really clicking, and, and were really kind of peaking at the right time in terms of, you know, gaining access to the in-season tournament. So I think really what you were seeing over the last um, week or so was they, they were kind of coming off the backside of that, right? I mean, it, it's inevitable when you play that well um, and have a goal – such as, you know, getting into that, that mid-season tournament that at some point it's, it's going to come off the backside of the, the valley, right? You're going you're gonna to have some, some games that maybe you aren't making as many shots or you aren't playing as well. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing here. I think that in, um, you know, addition to um, gaining both CJ and um, Trey back, certainly who are, are guys that are going to get a lot of touches, uh, rightfully so, are going to get a lot of shot attempts. And I think that you just saw just in terms of those two big, um, you know, scenarios kind of colliding this last week, which which led to some clunkiness when you kind of think of that um, San Antonio game. And um, then off the backside of that, then right, you're coming off the back to back against Chicago. And then all of a sudden, those two guys that you were getting accustomed to playing with and certainly, you know, or suddenly aren't there anymore. And now you're just kind of you're flipping back and forth in a really short period. So, um to me, I, I really don't see a whole lot of negatives in terms of the last week. I think it, big picture, um, it's it's really good that it looks like those guys are are healthy and, and back to full form. And I think at this point now, it's um, really just kind of building that camaraderie and chemistry within that main five or six group of guys and, and really hit the ground running. Yeah, I mean, 
and that's kind of what I saw as well. Um, you know, it's always good to get those guys back, uh, a leader in CJ, and you know what he does, but, you know, seeing Trey Murphy for the first time, I felt came out a little slow, but that's, you know, warranted with him missing so much time. Uh, but once he kind of saw that first shot go through or get that dunk, you saw, you know, just the gravity he's going to bring um, for Brandon and Zion moving forward here. But, you know, I'm sure it's very tough for everyone involved that's like on the team. Like you said, there's a lot of people's roles or roles that people were in. And now they're kind of being switched up here, you know, game to game and every other game and you try to get used to your new role, say like a Dyson and Hawkins who, you know, were in a starting role, getting a lot of minutes uh, when those guys are out and looking really good. And now they're um, in this other role of them coming off the bench, not getting as many minutes or maybe as many looks. Uh, so it's kind of adjustment period time for them as well as like the main guys, like you said, Zion and BI. Um, and then to flip flap, flip-flop back again, you know, Dyson being put into that starting lineup after not playing as many minutes. Uh, the two previous games in last night's game at Chicago starting, so I'm sure there's a little bit of work to be uh, continued to work all that through, but uh, from all the signs that we saw in Wednesday and Friday's games, it looks like this team's going to be pretty strong uh, when whole again. Yeah, and that's that's really the, the main thing to, to keep in mind. Um, I think it's important that, you know, as fans and as viewers of a team, especially when, when you're as, um, you know, invested and committed to a certain team and, you know, hopefully you're able to tune in every game and, and really track the progress of this team on a game to game basis that you don't, you don't really get out in front of your skis too much. Right. I mean, sure. You, there, there's lots of games that you'd like to like to win and, you know, you certainly feel like you had a better team on the floor, but really the the big thing is, you know, take a look at, at this team's situation in totality right now, right? I would imagine, you know, once that news of, of Trey coming down was, was injured, you know, prior to the year starting, and then you start dealing with, you know, injuries and, and little Nick's design and Brandon, and then you have CJ suddenly get thrusted out of the, the lineup with that, that sudden lung injury. It's like, yeah, you're sitting there at, you know, essentially 20 games into the year, um, you're a game over 500. Everybody seems to be healthy and trending in the right direction. And, and not only that, um, you know, it's given other guys that hopefully are able to contribute at a at a high level later in the year, such as like a Dyson and a um, and a Hawkins. It gave them extended minutes to be able to work through some of those growing pains and, and mistakes that the younger players are going to make. So. Um, Really, I think you couldn't, for at least from my opinion, um, as a whole, I don't think you could really be much happier as a fan, right? I mean, if you were really looking at this team as a whole, um, you know, you've you've been in a position where everybody is, is starting to meld together and everybody's roles are clearly defined, but also at the same time you're sitting here um, – starting to trend at a good time, right? You've given, given yourself an opportunity to play in that play-in or in that mid-season tournament. Um, and I think you're headed in the right direction. So um, although there certainly are nights that you're going to be disappointed, right, I think it's important to kind of keep that um, one main point in mind, right, that 
it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So as long as they're continuing to work in the same direction and, and things are starting to align in terms of of health and, and responsibility, um, I think you really can't be um, anything but happy with that. Yeah, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, on a game to game basis, it's it's the highs and lows just because you see how good the team could be and how they look on certain nights compared to others. And like you're saying, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. There's so many different variables that come into a game to game basis, why a team might look a certain way and why they might not look that way the next game. So it is difficult as a fan to kind of see that. And, you know, especially early on in this season, when you, you feel like you've seen a lot from this team and all the potential, and then they go out and uh, struggle against some of these, teams that are 500 or less but you know at the end of the day you, you take the first 20 to 21 games here and you're a game over 500 and it's the big picture and the big outlook uh you know you got into the in-season tournament you're a game over 500 yes i'm sure you want to be a couple games better than that but given all the circumstances it's been a pretty good uh ride so far and hopefully they can pick up a few more games here in the in-season tournament get some uh confidence uh you know, grow from this moment, you know, it's going to be a hostile crowd tomorrow night in Sacramento, and it'll be very interesting to see, you know, kind of how the team reacts. Yeah, good point. And I think that kind of just drives home. It's all about perspective. Um, You know, not even looking ahead to tomorrow, but it's like when you when you talk about being 20 games in and you're sitting a game over or 500 at this point, it's like, yeah, you'd love to be sitting in a little bit better of a spot with your record, right? Everybody would. But, I mean, let's just say even best-case scenario, this team would have came in, um, you know, fully healthy, and not, none of this would have happened to this point. It's like you still could have been sitting there at, you know, 15 and fifteen and 6 or, you know, 16 and 7. Like you could be sitting in a place that isn't that different and, and still have a hurdle like this coming down the pipeline you know, where you're losing two massive key contributors and then you're having to try to survive it later down the road. Like they've gotten through ideally, which you'd think would be the hardest part of the year in terms of they've already, you know, had to withstand the fact that they had to find a way to win enough games at this point in the year with two key contributors down. So it's like, even if this team was, was a game under 500, it's like, you still got to just, you know, be thankful and be, it's promising that they found a way to navigate, um, this hurdle and and hopefully that's now behind them and now they really can just continue to work um in the right direction and then hopefully you know you're another 20 30 games down the road just past all-star break and you look back and it's like man that that was we're we're happy that that happened then right rather than happening in in february or march right because it's 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 ultimately inevitable that at some point you're gonna have guys go down but it's like you you'd like to think that maybe this happened to this team a little bit earlier on but um so i think that's that's one hopeful positive that you can look towards and, and, and be proud of and be hopeful that this team found a way. And that's really just what their job is on a night to night basis whenever they're um, dealt some adversity. But um, yeah, certainly a big opportunity tomorrow night. Um, It'll be interesting to kind of see and feel what those atmospheres and situations feel like as no one's really gone through the, um, you know, in season tournament um, situation and, have an understanding of what that's like, right? This team and as a whole really doesn't have a whole lot of playoff experience outside of a, a couple guys, right? Looking back to that, that series against the Suns a couple years back. But, um, 
again, even that, right? Ideally, you'd love to come out with a win and continue to keep um, progressing through. But um, really, it's just about, you know, does it are the guys bought in together, right? Are they committed to, um, you know, finding a way to get everybody their shots and get everybody put into positions where they can ultimately succeed? Um, you know, I'm going to be more dialed into seeing how are these guys working together? How are they communicating together? Um, are guys looking comfortable next to one another? Are they playing hard? Are they committed on the defensive end? That for me is, is the most important. And then ultimately if that yields a win, then great. Right. But obviously it's going to be a very, very tough situation going on the road, playing the Kings now for the third time this year, coming off of two wins earlier in the year. So anytime you're, you're trying to beat a team for a third time in a row, especially a team that has, you know, marquee talent, such as Sabonis and, and Fox over there, it's going to be very difficult. So, Again, I think this is another situation where um, the outcome shouldn't be the only thing that really drives anyone's narrative or opinion on on what's going on internally. I think you you got to look at things um, with a little bit of perspective in hand. No doubt about it. Um, just kind of going back to something maybe we discussed, just talking off air. Just you know, we always say we'd like to take it by, you know, 10-game segments, first segment, four and six, the last segment, you know, six and four, and now you're starting this new group of 10, and uh, I think it was very good. It's just like, at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter, like, when you get it or how you get it. It's like, if in the 10 games you go six and four or seven and three, does it really matter if, you know, the first well, one you lost? And Well, yeah. Yeah. Y- in big picture, no, it doesn't. But if I had to lean on one side, I'd rather be beating the teams that are viewed upon or viewed as contending top-notch team, and maybe have a little bit of an issue with teams that are are viewed below me, right? Like there, there's no, there's nothing to gain by being a team that beats up on undermanned teams and teams that don't have as much talent. And ultimately, you're hoping that that gets you to a point where maybe you're in a play-in or a late seed playoff, and then you can't contend or beat any of the teams that you'd have to anyway to ultimately get a goal. If you're New Orleans, it's really irrelevant if you um, you know, are a 42-win team and get bounced in the first round of the playoffs or if you're um, a back-end of the lottery team. Like, right? There's, there's not a, that's not what their goal is. So it's irrelevant to me if they can beat up on San Antonio, on a Detroit, um, like on, on a struggling Chicago when they are, and get those wins, and then they can't go into Denver and get a win, right? Or they can't go into Phoenix and get a win. Like, I am way more um, pleased with the fact that on that six-game home stretch at home where they were playing, um, you know, teams that you would view as contenders in the Western Conference, that they almost look like they match up better against teams that have top-tier talent, not in terms of just being locked in or being, um, you know, focused from the get-go, right? There's always going to be an internal struggle that, that teams have to deal with, especially over a uh, an 82 game schedule of, of floating in and out of, of being focused and locked in, especially when you have teams that don't demand as much focus for you to ultimately pull out a win, like l- looking back to that San Antonio team. So for me, yes, if you look at a 10 game sample, as long as you come out in that six and four, seven and three range, right, consistently over these, you know, 10 game stretches, you know, eight, 10 game stretches essentially, um, you're obviously going to finish in a really good spot in the standings. And yes, I do agree that there is a lot of it that it's like at some point you just got to find a way to, to get to that six or seven wins in the 10 game set. 
But if I have to lose some games, I want to lose to the teams that really are no are not going to be in my way or not teams that I need to have the confidence to know I can compete with and ultimately beat down the end of the line. I'd rather get my six or seven wins against top-tier teams in the Western and Eastern Conference so that when it does come to that time of the year, that maybe you're competing against a team in the play-in by chance or you're playing a team in the first round. You know, you already, you've already gotten over that hurdle. So to me, I, I just – there hasn't been really – any games this year that I've been super disappointed on losses outside of ones where they hadn't shown up and played with any effort. When looking at the Chicago game, sure, you'd love to get it, but you also have to look at it through the lens of it, it, it doesn't move me. It really doesn't move me that much, right? They, they had some guys that you ultimately are going to force to beat you if you're New Orleans that hit a lot of shots and played really, really well, and you took it down to the wire and it was a competitive game to the last two minutes of the game, and they made some shots at home on the second night of a back-to-back for New Orleans and just chalk it up to that, right? I think it's more important that they they got through that game. Zion and Brandon got another opportunity um, to get some more rhythm and chemistry playing between the two of them. Um, all things considered, I think they both played pretty well. And and for us, it, we had a lot of guys that, um, you know, some of our role players like Hawk and Dyson, um, that, that didn't have the best of nights knocking down open shots. And, you know, obviously they were playing on the road, which is harder for a role player. And that's ultimately what, what Billy Donovan and Chicago were trying to force us to do. And they were going to be just as happy if we came in there and a guy like Dyson Daniels beat him from the perimeter, right? That's the same thing we were doing with Patrick Williams from Chicago. And some nights you just have to put your hands up in the air, learn from it, and, and keep it moving and, and go to that next game. So um, definitely an agreeance that it, as long as you're coming out on the better side of those 10-game samples, um, that's obviously the most important thing, but um, certainly more pleased with, with the wins that they have over the teams that they have beaten to this point rather than the losses to some teams that we think are, are um, inferior. That's great insight, Pat. And just segueing on to that in-season tournament, I just want to kind of pose a question uh, to you about it. What are your feelings about this game going in? Like, are you treating this kind of like a – um, play-in game or like a playoff game? Are you going to shorten the rotation? Like, what would you like to see uh, going out of here? Or are you just kind of basing it off of just like a regular season game? And I'm certainly going to play it more as if it's a playoff game. Not only one because I it, it's obviously a um, win and you keep advancing, right? I mean, it, you have got to to find a way to win that game. Tomorrow night, you know, you're not going to get a second chance at it. Um, not only that, it's a good experience for some of those guys that hopefully you're going to be in that situation. But also it might be more difficult for a team like New Orleans who is going to be conflicted with the fact that, yes, they would love to cut the rotation down and play guys that they ultimately see as people that are going to be continue, contending for those minutes down the stretch, right? But it's also coming off the backside of, you know, you've got a guy like Trey Murphy who obviously when he's, when he's healthy and fully, um, you know, in a place where he's no longer on a minutes restriction or anything like that, he's going to be getting upwards of 30 minutes a night. And, and he's taking a lot of those minutes. I don't know if Trey's in a place that they feel comfortable throwing him into a game like that, right on the road. That'll be his first road game back from the injury, high intensity, um, you would imagine a very hostile situation and that they're going to go ahead and just say, okay, Trey, you can play 34 minutes and then you're cutting down the rotation. I don't think that that's going to be how they play it. Now, maybe do they take some minutes, um, you know, maybe from a guy like 
um, you know, Jose and, and Hawk, if, if they don't suddenly see the need that they really need to space the floor. Um, obviously, Trey being on the floor, um, you don't quite need Hawk as much, although I think there certainly are situations to have them both out there. Um, but I think that you're going to see them probably play the same amount of guys, um, but I think that those minutes are going to be brought back a little bit. You know, I think I think you're going to see Brandon finish around that 36 to 38 minutes, and then um, hopefully you have a guy like CJ and Zion that can give you upwards of, um, you know, 33, 34 minutes, which which hopefully, you know, cuts down one of their extended breaks and, and buys the team a little bit more time with, with having one of those main offensive, you know, cogs on the floor. So that's how I would play it, knowing that I think that the coaching staff's going to be a little bit strong-armed into they're still going to have to monitor a guy like um, Trey's minutes. But I think you have to coach it and prep and game plan and, um, you know, expect it to um, feel like a playoff game. I think you're going to see Sacramento's going to shorten their rotation, which obviously um, is a positive and a negative, right? It's not going to give our role players as many opportunities to play against guys in their in their bench if as they're not going to go as deep. But also at the same um, same time, it gives us a chance that if we're aggressive and we're putting pressure on the rim, guys like Zion and Brandon, Brandon where they really don't have very much rim protection um, around that rim, you know, we can really put a lot of pressure on that shortened rotation in terms of foul trouble um, and fatigue if, if we're coming in locked in and, and playing and putting a lot of pressure on that rim. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it was up to me, you know, I'm going eight, nine deep just with the guys that I know. Granted, you made a great point. Trey probably isn't capable of giving those those giving you those minutes that you would normally see if this was, say, a play-in game or a uh, playoff series. Uh, because I, me personally, I would like to give the minutes – majorly to Trey, Dyson, and Hawk. And then, you know, if you have to give a look for Najee or Jose, just here, there, just to see if there's a different look, that's the way I would go. Um, and then if you need to get a minute here, a minute there with Zeller to give JV a blow. But I'm definitely playing it as like a playoff game. Um, I don't think it would be wise for Willie to just keep the same minutes each guy kind of plays in those like spurts I would kind of change that up a bit um, because it just seems to me just throughout the year I know you got to kind of you know load manage within games so you see Brandon play the first 10 minutes then he'll sit out the last two minutes of the quarter and then like the first four or so in the second you know I feel if one guy's got it going you know you got to keep him in there for that stretch and you know maybe ride that hot hand and then you know try to get him a minute a couple minutes here or there after the fact. So uh, I think just a little bit of creativity tomorrow with the rotations and the minutes, and uh, hopefully it's a good turnout for them. Yeah, that's a good call out. I think that the having both CJ and uh, Trey back in the lineup is going to give them some more versatility to, to potentially pull some of those guys. Um, their rotations are going to be a little bit different in terms of Zion and Brandon. Um, Ultimately, yes, you do like having either one of them on the floor at all times, but also I think it it also is going to be letting the defense um, off the hook a little bit when it is only just one of those guys. So I think you're going to see some situations where maybe both Brandon and Zion could potentially for a, a moment in the game could both be on the bench at the same time while um, the offense is kind of running through CJ, um, JV, 
and, and Trey, right? I think the biggest thing is as many minutes as you can keep those two guys on the floor, um, albeit right, you're still going to need some shooting, right? But um, having those two guys, those each Brandon and Zion are going to garner the most attention possible from Sacramento from a defensive perspective. Um, so I think you really do need to try to match those minutes as, as best as you can. And obviously there's going to be times you just can't do that in terms of getting guys blows, but um, I, I don't want to see them just play the first six minutes and the last six minutes together. Right. I want to see some, some times that maybe both of them are sitting and, and then when they are both on the floor, you're, you're playing heavily through them and putting a lot of pressure on the D. Yeah. And my point on that is like, I don't want it to just be so like, okay, this is their normal rotation. The team knows this. They know that, you know, regardless of what's happening yeah. around them, they're still going to be coming in at this time or at this point of the game. Like, Yeah, I mean, if, if you're at a point where, I mean, Willie's got to feel that, right? I mean, if, if you get up early and, and you're playing well and guys are playing with confidence and you can steal both of those guys a minute or a blow so that you're prepared whenever Sacramento does make that run, then fine, do that. But also if you come out and you're struggling – and, you know, it's a raucous crowd and you're having to weather one of those storms, then, you know, both of those guys are going to have to go extended in that first quarter yeah. or early into that second, right? It can't just be, okay, well, it's time to pull Zion at the six-minute mark, but we're having to try to weather this storm there at a hostile Sacramento, um, you know, arena. It just, it's going to be tough, right? I mean, that's why it you have to kind of coach it a little bit differently like it is a playoff scenario right obviously you can't cut the rotation down as much as we'd like i would imagine but this has got to be one of those games where you know it's a one game situation it, you have to throw everything out at it to essentially hope you can advance and have another opportunity to win this thing and if you ultimately you do that and it comes up short then fine you'll just have to make up for it in the next game and maybe those guys minutes back off again and you know ultimately you have to have to try to gut another win out after this if you happen to lose to Sacramento, but you, you can't be playing for the next game. You know, you have to play with the mentality of there isn't a next game if we don't find a way to pull this out, and the way to give yourself the best chance of doing that is keeping your best players on the floor as frequently as you can possibly can. I definitely agree on that. I mean, if it if it so happens that CJ, I know just coming back from injury, needs to play, you know, 38 to 40 minutes, same with BI, like that's just what they're going to have to do, and then you live for tomorrow. Like, you yeah, and, I mean, and that's right. But I mean, in that same in that hierarchy of guys that need minutes there, it's it's not that you have four guys there that are all in the same situation and you're picking and shoot like there has to be an expectation that Brian, Brandon and Zion are going to have to garner a little bit more of the responsibilities to play extended minutes because you have medical issues that have prevented these guys from potentially going as deep. Right. It's not that you don't want to play CJ 38 minutes or you don't want to play Trey 38 minutes, but there are things that they are recovering from that ultimately like CJ, he's in a different scenario. Like it'll, it is fundamentally harder for him to play 38 minutes pl coming off the injury that he is. He's probably dealing still with some of the getting his cardio back. Um, he probably deals with a little bit more like shortness of breath than he would have if he wasn't playing, um, you know, in all of these games and not dealing with that lung injury. Right. Like, they've got to be able to step up to cover for those minutes that he can't provide and hope that when CJ, right, we're not saying play CJ 26 minutes, but if CJ can give you 32, 33 minutes of really, really efficient basketball playing the way that we know he can, that should be more than enough if both Zion and Brandon are willing to go 38, 40 minutes if it's what needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Zion's you know, highest minute total is this year. I'm sure it's around 36. I haven't seen him 
I think, get over that. Maybe he did one time, but they've kind of kept his minutes a little low. So it'll be interesting just to kind of see how they manage that. And, you know, Herb's a guy that can go long stretches uh, if he stays out of foul trouble. So it'll be all very interesting. Uh, I'm just going to pose another question. Like you said, you know, some of these guys uh, were in that playoff series a couple years back and kind of got that experience. CJ's been in the playoffs a bit. Um, you know, this is the first opportunity for Zion and uh, in this type of situation. So how do you think he'll uh, garner that responsibility and how do you think he'll look going through this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, this will be this will probably be his most important game he's ever played in about five years, right? Looking back to that tournament game um, that he had at, at Duke, right? This is going to be the the most – obviously, he was there in the building, right, for those Phoenix series, but he wasn't on the floor being responsible for, um, you know, dealing with that, right? So it's certainly a, a new opportunity, which is one that's really good for him to kind of grow and learn from that. But it, it is going to be interesting to see kind of what his approach to it is. Obviously, the last two or three games, I think he's he's taken a little bit of a early backseat trying to get other guys involved, and some of that had to do with some of the returns we were talking about, which – has, has made the rhythm for those two guys a little bit different or, or awkward the last couple games. But um, I think a lot of that responsibility also falls on on guys like CJ and BI and, and even Willie, right? I think they have to have an understanding and a self-awareness internally that, hey, this is, this is his first time being in this scenario. This is um, probably something that he's going to be trying to navigate internally. Like, what is the best way to do this? And, and not only that, right? You're playing against a team that, really has no way to stop him. I mean, they don't have the size in, on the inside. They don't have very much coming off the bench in terms of size. I mean, nothing at least that would steer you away from the fact that, okay, yeah, it's 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 advantageous to get Sabonis off the floor, right? Like, there's, there's nobody coming in that's like the next wave um, that you have to deal with there, really. So I think, one, for his own confidence and, and, and making him as engaged and really settling him in, as, as as much as possible and coupled with the fact that they have a very hard time guarding it and you're playing on the road um i would go to zion early right i th- i think if you allow him to sit there and kind of play passively for six minutes or so and, and you're shooting a lot of jump shots and not getting to the rim i think that you're playing a very dangerous game in terms of potentially having him kind of remove himself a little bit um, not actively, right? I don't think he's going to say, oh, well, I don't want the ball. But, I mean, it, it's going to be a difficult thing to figure out on the fly for him. Um, and I would like to really see us put a lot of pressure on that rim, put Sabonis in positions early where he's having to decide, um, you know, because obviously he's going to be thinking, okay, I'm probably going to go 40 minutes on my end. Sacramento's going to need all the production they can get from him. So I think the sooner we can get to the rim, get some fouls, um, on their front line, hopefully get into the bonus, slow that um, or quiet that crowd down, right? Get to the free throw line. I think all of that is advantageous and then work from there. Then if we start finding a lot of shots from the perimeter because they have to really start taking a step over and, and really guarding against Zion, then it's fine to start shooting them. But tomorrow is not a game to me that you're hunting three-point shots. And if you're Brandon, obviously it, you're not going to pass up a good look coming off of a set at the mid-range. But I think his mentality needs to be there's nobody back there. A guy like Harrison Barnes cannot keep me from getting to the rim. And I think both of those guys need to be in attack mode from the get-go. Yeah, and 
just to go along with that, like, do you think that this game will be officiated like a playoff game? You know, it gets a little tighter. Things are kind of let go. They let people play a little more physical. So, you know, that's a huge thing, especially with Zion, who's never been in that moment, where as it is, it's usually pretty hard for them to blow the whistle uh, in just a regular season game. So they might be allowing a little more, you know, hands uh, stuff while he's going to the rim. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of reacts to all that. I mean, I would imagine it'll be officiated more like a playoff game. Um, but I think that's even more the reason to get him engaged early, not only one so that he can, he can adjust to that as soon as possible. But also if, if you're new Orleans and you're putting pressure on the rim from the tip, every possession, like you're not bailing out the officials by doing that, right? You're putting them in a position where, I don't care how tightly you're calling it or if you're allowing guys to be physical. When, when a team is attacking the rim over and over and over and over again, just the, 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 the law of, right, just, just numbers are going to tell you that, like, at some point these guys are getting fouled. These guys are playing through contact, and, and you kind of put the onus on them to kind of start calling that, that, you know, whistle early. I think you get into a dangerous spot if that first four or five minutes you're taking a ton of perimeter jump shots and have not put any pressure on the rim and have not even made it a, a point where those officials have to make a decision, then I think you're just bailing them and Sacramento out, right? I think the best case is you come out there, first four or five possessions, run sets to get those guys in spots where they feel like they can take it um, from that area and get to the rim. And if, they, if we finish at the rim and, and we draw fouls early, then great. If not, at least you've already started the – um, the mentality of, hey, we're coming at you and we're coming downhill all night, so you know you need to start calling this, right? I mean, it, it's going to be a nationally televised game, right? It's going to have a lot of eyes on it being the first um, really iteration of this in-season tournament. The last thing the league wants is you know, a team like New Orleans and Zion to be sitting there um, and attacking the rim, and they they swallow their whistles, and and Zion finishes with 17 points, you know, and doesn't get like they want Zion to have a big game. It it's advantageous for the league and um, you know viewership for him to have a big game, right? And how does he have a big game? Him putting pressure on the rim early, him getting other teams in foul trouble. You know, may, hopefully we see a half where maybe he has 18, 19 in the first half and is getting to the line six, seven times. You know, I. I think, but you have you have to put yourself in a perspective or in a position to um, deserve that, right? Like you have to almost force the issue rather than just sitting back and just hoping that you know he finds a way to get some buckets. So I'm certainly putting the onus on the officials, and I'm putting the ball in his hands, and I'm letting him um, get to his spots early. Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, like we said, I think this might be our first national national TV game of the year. So uh, you know, the guys usually. Step up in those big moments like that. Everyone likes to be playing on TV, but you know, like you said, if if the home crowd and the home team comes out firing early, you know, we got to be be together as a team and withstand that little run. It's going to be rocking in that building. Very tough place to go play in. Uh, so it'll be a very interesting game, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you you've got to know that going into that place and against that team, right? There there's going to be a massive run at some point from Sacramento. I mean, we've seen it here in the last week or so with them. I think they've done it uh, once or twice. Like they're going to have a big run, whether that's a, a 15 to 3. Like they're going to have one of those runs where they hit a bunch of shots and that place is rocking. 
you've got to be very composed and you have to be mature enough as a team to understand when that's coming and when they're in the midst of it, right? That they have to even become even more um, locked in and mature enough from an offensive perspective that they can't add fuel to that fire, right? As soon as you see that they start getting on one of those runs and they're gaining confidence, they've got to have the onus or, or at least the, you know, they've got to be able to have the ability to read the room, right? I don't want to see them come out and try to match jump shot for jump shot with Sacramento when they're on one of these runs. They need to play to their strengths. They're, Sacramento is a team that's going to play very fast. They're going to shoot a lot of threes in that building. They want to get De'Aaron out in transition, right? You've got to punch Sacramento in the mouth, especially when these runs, you're either in the midst of one or you, you can feel that they're on the verge of, of getting on one of those runs, right? That's where you've got to go to JV. You've got to get him a touch or two. You've got to go to Zion, right? You've got to go to that 4-5 pick and roll. You've got to go to that Brandon Zion pick and roll. You've got to find a way to put pressure on them and keep pressure on them because that's not how they want to play. They, there's nothing more that Sacramento wants us to do than to come in there and start shooting a bunch of perimeter jump shots that lead to long rebounds that gets a guy like Fox and Malik Monk and those athletic guys that can play in transition out in space, right? We've got to be mature enough to understand that that is not a situation that that is advantageous for us and allows us to have our best chance to, to pull a tough game out, right? We've got to almost diffuse the situation and and kind of mute that crowd and not allow that energy to continue to build and build and build and build. And that, that's going to be one of the things that I'm most intrigued by is does this coaching staff, and more importantly, do these main couple guys on this team, being a CJ, a Zion, a Brandon, do they have enough self-awareness and understanding of what this team's strengths and weaknesses are to be able to, you know, turn down that that perimeter jump shot, right? Like, because they're gonna they're gonna be given chances to do it. You know, a guy like CJ, you know, he's a guy that sometimes when runs happen. You know, he'll he'll take that that 23 foot step back or, you know, he'll take that transition three or he'll do those things, which are great in the right situations. But he's got to be really good about that. Brandon as well. Right. In the midst of one of those runs, that's not the time for him to go to that mid range shot in terms of when he's just playing one on one and breaking down a defense. Now, if it's off a, a, a set that they've set up to get him an open look off the move where he's not having to dribble it at all, then fine. That's a perfectly good look for me. But he's also got to have that awareness, um, you know, that he needs to understand that th- this isn't the right shot at the right time for what we're trying to do. So um, that's, I think, for me, knowing who they're playing, where they're playing, um, I think that's the biggest test for me. And that's going to ultimately show me a lot of what I need to know about this team um, for later in this year is if, if they have the maturity and are, are able to, to display that on their end. Yeah, and I pose the question again, is is this a big prove-it game for Willie Green? Are you going to be looking at, you know, kind of how he handles the situation, how he's coaching? Um, is there necessary timeouts given at the right times, like you're saying, to stop a run, uh, just to calm the guys down? Is that something you're looking at as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a big game for Willie, right? I mean, Willie's always at this point, I think he's, you know, and it's not his fault, he's had an asterisk. Um, you know, kind of next to his name and his record, right? There's always been that, yeah, but he's had to deal with the injuries. Um, 
right? And like I said, rightfully so. He can't control the guys that he's been able to put on the floor. But at this point, right, he's in a position where he has as much um, ammunition and versatility that he's ever had since being the coach in New Orleans. Um, so he's certainly also not pigeonholed into only playing one way, right? I think it's safe to say at some point, like I said, that run's going to happen and there's going to need to be an adjustment from from Willie. And this is going to be one of the first times that he looks down that bench and he doesn't feel handcuffed due to injuries or personnel, right? He's got a lot of different ways that he can go and a lot of different rotations and groups that he can put together to ultimately um, stall out those runs and then also generate his own runs um, uh, from an offensive perspective. So, yes, I'm going to be very keyed in on his rotations, his timeouts, especially um, not only stopping a run in your in the midst of it. You know, he almost needs to adopt a little bit of that Greg Popovich mentality of like, it, if if Sacramento gets one or two buckets and I can already feel that they're on the verge of it, not when they're in the middle of it, but it's it's coming. Like right, if they're if they've made two consecutive buckets and I know that if we go down there and and miss a shot and they come back and and score another one, then it's too late, right? Then they're already on a 7-0 potential run, if not more, depending on what those shots look like from them. So not only the ability there with timeouts, but I think the way that he he needs to pick out how to find guys shots and when to find them shots, right? And, and I think that's going to be very critical because obviously you're going to, like CJ's going to take the role that I imagine he's going to try to get Z and BI going. And and he's going to look to those guys, but also he's going to be willing to get those shots. But Willie's got to do a good job of commanding the room and 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 really letting them know that you know this is where we're going to get our shots from. It's it's going to be equal. I would imagine each one of those guys is going to finish between fifteen and seventeen shot attempts tomorrow night. Um, and, and you've really got to you've got to ride those guys, and, and you got to muster in JV too, right? I mean, part of it is. Sabonis is one of their best players. Um, he he drives a lot of that offense for Sacramento. So I think that's why. There's got to be a focal point in getting him touches as well. And I think he can't just rely on those guys in a hostile situation to, to be able to understand that, right? It'd be great if they do, and it's not even an issue, but he's got to take some responsibility of, of really divvying up the diet of offense and making sure each guy's getting an adequate amount of shots and looks in positions where they can be the most effective. And hopefully though everybody, you know, the nice gets into a nice rhythm and, and can really play off each other. Um, and then ultimately you make Sacramento really pay. I mean, to me, this Sacramento team is very boomer bust, right? They've got the offensive ability and firepower that they could they could come in and they could blow us out of the building just due to the fact that they can play at an incredible pace. They've got a guy like Fox who can push the pace. And we know that they can hit a lot of perimeter shots in a really, really quick, uh, you know, timeline essentially. But they've also got the ability that I think they're very thin on the wing. They're very thin inside, outside of Sabonis, who's a guy that doesn't want to particularly play a lot of defense. Like he he manages it and he does a good job, but he's not a, a defensive ace out there. So I think if we take care of our business and we really put the onus on them to make them guard us and make their life more difficult rather than bailing them out um, with tough with tough jump shots and and things of that nature, then I think we have the ability to go in there and, and pull out a win. And I would imagine 
if New Orleans does win, it's going to be of the nature of probably a double-digit win. I don't see New Orleans going in there and winning a game by two or three, you know, by one possession. I think it's going to be either way. It's either we aren't mature enough to not give them the ammunition, right, to allow them to go on one of those explosive runs that we can't stop and they blow us out, or we go in there and we handle them pretty handedly just because we overwhelm them with our physicality and our our um, you know, our focus on getting to the rim and putting them in a position where, where they can't really guard. They don't have the size and they don't have the length to guard us um, on the perimeter. So I, I think that's it. So that's my prediction. Um, I'm not going to say who I think or which way it's going to shake out, but I do believe the winner will win by double digits regardless. Yeah, I mean, all of this, all podcasts have been great insight by you. Uh, you know, love that this team has the opportunity uh, to play in an environment like this and have a game that means more than just a regular Monday night game. Uh, it's going to be a packed house, like we said. There's going to be energy in there. And I, I just hope that regardless of the fact, you know, we can get these guys out here on the floor, they can learn from this. and. Uh, Hopefully this is a stepping stone moving in the right direction as the year comes on. You got a prediction for me? Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, I'm always rolling with the Pels. I I feel like their group of guys they have here, they're big game players. Uh, when there's something on the line, I just feel like that's their best self. And tomorrow's the biggest game of the year with the biggest stakes. And I'm always going to ride with my my stars on the team and uh, their abilities to do what they can do. Yeah, they've been a little shaky here or there just with all the disruptions in the lineup, like we said. But I'm going to live and die with Zion and B.I. And uh, so I, I think they're going to pull out the win and move on to face whoever went, comes out of that L.A. and uh, Phoenix game Thursday. Or Tuesday, but play them Thursday. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. Definitely, Pat. But this has been another episode of the Holy Hardwood podcast with Pat and Tony. Breaking down all the Pelicans ins and outs here. Uh, but it was great to have you on again tonight. Yes, sir. Flock up.